day, and those of you that are watching online, as has already been mentioned, thank you for joining us. I was online last Sunday, got to watch the service. Pastor John, I thought, did a great job, and uh, just a wonderful word, good word of, for the day. Amen. And, uh, uh, and and just, you know, just happy to see the church work when I don't have to be here uh, to do anything. It was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun. So there, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes to make a Sunday morning work when you're in the house, but there's equally as much stuff that has to go on uh, to, to do what we do to live stream our services. And, and we're thankful for the investment that, that we have been able to make as a church into that service for people. Uh, it's just an important thing to do. And and uh, I appreciate that I could be sitting on a patio with a cup of coffee watching everybody else uh, uh, worship God together. I, but there is nothing like being together in the house of God, I think. It's just my opinion. It is just good to be together with the family of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so we're starting a new series this morning. <clears throat> Uh, kind of about prayer and kind of not, but along that line, and I'm calling it up there, down here. Everybody say up there. there. Down here. When we talk about prayer, and I know that for some of you, well, let me just, a couple of things. One of the things that I know is really important for me, uh, a year ago when we laid out these five stones, as we call them, one of the things was an increase in prayer. I think that prayer is probably one of the most important missing aspects in the life of many believers. We don't understand it. We don't know why. All of the different things, it's, it's kind of maybe boring for some people. It's intimidating for other people. But I want to encourage you in a couple of different things as it relates to prayer, and, and it's along the line of what this series is about, but we've been mentioning over and over the first 15. Most Christians never read their Bible. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Most Christians don't pray unless something's really, really horrible in their life or something's happened, then maybe we'll, or we need a parking place or we need to pass a test. Then we'll pray. And so the first 15, 15, five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of Bible reading, it's something that everybody can do. It's something everybody can do. If you can't find 15 minutes, you've got other problems. And so... I think that that is one of the most important things you've already heard. We've mentioned the week of prayer that will be happening uh, in April. I encourage you to come and be a part of that. This will be our first time live uh, with a live prayer in a couple of years since before COVID and all that. BC, before COVID, uh, those kinds of things. And, um, and then our Good Friday service as well, which is a totally different type of service than what we normally do here at Joy. It is more reflective. It is a little bit quieter and, and uh, we'll be doing communion and those things. But I thought that being that we are going to be talking a little bit about prayer over the next couple of weeks, we should start with something that probably every veteran church person or every even maybe novice church person has heard the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I would venture to guess that if I just said, Our Father who art in heaven, you could just automatically start to go right along and just quote the whole thing. So I thought I'd just start there in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. Actually, the Lord's Prayer is found in two different places, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, mention Luke 11, mention a few things in, in Matthew chapter 6 again as we kick this off. But in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. 
Our Father, who, our Father in heaven. See, I was going to go King James on you right away. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, your name is a great name. Your name, our first focus when it comes to prayer is God, not me. Amen. It is God, not you. And we remind ourselves of the greatness of God. And you might have to camp here for a little bit during your first 15. Maybe you need to remind yourself how great your God is. Sometimes you don't have to, but sometimes maybe the stress of life, maybe the pace of life or the pressure of life, you need to remind yourself that your God is the greatest being. Your God is the most powerful. Your God is unlike any other God around. And your God is greater than everything else. That's what this name means. Hallowed be thy name. The name of God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and they're safe. Jesus is a name that is above every other name. Excuse me. His name is higher than any other name. His name is greater. Everything else bows to the name of Jesus. And when I go to the Father in prayer, I need to remind myself that I'm not just throwing up a, a Hail Mary. I'm, I'm actually talking to the one person that can actually do something about the situation that I find myself in. And then he goes on, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is a point of surrender that we come to. This may take a while because this is a wrestling match. Because God, I, I have an agenda. <clears throat> I have a will. I'm concerned about my kingdom here on earth. I'm concerned about my home, my family, my stuff. But God, before we get to my stuff, I want you to know that I'm going to submit and surrender my will to your will. That I want your way, your plan, your purpose to be done. That can be a wrestling match in prayer. That we get to the point. But if I understand that there's nobody who is like my God, I have an easier time to surrender and submit my will to his will. He goes on and says, give us, which we think is the point of prayer. Give, 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 give me. I'll take all you give me. Give us this day our daily bread. As we talked in the here series, we need daily bread. Today's problems can't be solved with yesterday's bread. Today's bread gives me hope for today and faith for tomorrow. <clears throat> There's a daily word, a daily bread, a daily feeding that God wants to bring me into and through so that he can work through me and live his life through me. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One of the biggest themes of prayer and one of the biggest reasons for unanswered prayer is unforgiveness in the heart of a believer. And really, it's attitudes of our heart that can stop the prayer, the, the effectiveness of our prayer life. And you know, after I've surrendered and submitted my will to God, and I said, God, is there some things that you want to talk to me about? Some of the most unpopular prayers. David prayed them, examine my heart, search my heart, try my heart, try the reins of my heart. That's the direction, the, the ways that I want to go. Those are prayers. Those are, those are things that we should be submitting and surrendering to God and saying, God, I want you to be involved in these areas and parts of my life. And Lord, if there's anything that's in me that shouldn't be in me, I ask you to show it to me so that I can deal with it here in this place of prayer. Verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It means, Lord, I'm declaring my dependence upon you, that you are my rock, you are my safety, you are my protection, you are my shelter, you're my strong tower, you are everything that I need and I don't have to be afraid who's against me I don't have to be afraid of what people say 
Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And then he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions as we get going this morning. First of all, do you think that Jesus really meant that we should just mindlessly pray this prayer over and 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 over? No. One of the... Many questions that I get asked, uh, you know, when, when people, and we, we, I call our church a melting pot church. We have people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And one of the questions we get often is, how come you never pray the Lord's Prayer? I, I, and I'll be honest with you, I don't have a great answer. <laughs> I really don't. I didn't grow up praying at every, every service. I didn't grow up that way. And it's just not been a part of any custom. I'm not against the Lord's Prayer. I think it'd be more important if we actually did the things that Jesus said rather than just kind of just saying it. But did Jesus really mean for us that this is the only way to pray, that this is the only, do, we, do, you, do you realize that as far as we know, in the book of Acts, they didn't pray the Lord's Prayer. As far as we know, after this day, after Jesus mentioned this, that prayer was never prayed again as far as we know. And we call it the model prayer. There's a lot of great ideas when it comes to prayer that is in this. And it's a great centering point. It's a great starting point. But I don't think this was meant to be the whole of what Jesus intended for us when he gave the disciples this Lord's Prayer. But what's captured my attention and what I want us to talk about for the next couple of weeks is what we find in, in verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, God, come here. Here. Because here is the only place that I can be. I am here. I'm not there. I need your kingdom here. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want what's up there down here where I am. Is that what you want? God, I want your kingdom here. I want your will here. Now, that's easy to nod our heads in agreement to on Sunday morning, but what about Tuesday afternoon? What about when my will starts to serve? What about my right, my wants, I need, and all these other things? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said that this is an important part of your prayer life. This is something you need to ask for. This is something you need to pray about. This is something you need to expect to happen. That God's kingdom and God's will will be done where I am right here on earth. Now, many people have the idea when it comes to God, it comes to prayer, that if God wants something to happen, it will just happen. After all, you know, God is all powerful. God can do whatever he wants to do. Yes, he can. But he has given himself limitations, if you will, by the rules that he has laid out concerning addressing him and coming to him. There are things that God has left to us. And if God could just do everything and, 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 and we had no part to play in it, then why would he tell us to ask him? Why would he tell us, why would Jesus say, pray to the Father in Jesus' name? If there... If God is just, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. God will just do whatever it is that he wants to do. I mean, if that's the case, then why would we bother even going to him at all? And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how do we get what's up there down here where I am. But along with that, there's something more that I'm after. And that's simply this. Why? Why? Why should we ask God, 
for his kingdom to come where I am, for his will to be done where I am. Why should we do that? What should we expect? What should we expect in that? And so as we, as we take some steps in this, a very basic question, I ask it quite often, what do you think of when it comes to prayer? When I say to you, we're going to talk about prayer, what's your initial reaction? It's like, oh, great. Because for some people, I'll just be honest, for some people, I in the last couple of years have, have, have grown in my own personal prayer life. My personal prayer life really revolves a lot around worship because that just is what triggers for me. That's just what works for me. But in being, and I do a lot of different things, but I have, I have made a commitment to the first 15. I'm asking you to do that. I'm doing the same thing. And it's, it's, it's really changed some things in my, my perception and my view. And it's really taken a lot of pressure off of me as well. It's like, oh, I set my watch and I got five minutes and I hit that thing and I start. And I read, I'll just read my Bible until it dings. And if I'm not done with the chapter, I'll finish that chapter. I set it again. Then I'm going to pray for five minutes. Then I'm going to worship God for five minutes. Again, I do other things, but I, I have committed to that. And it's changed some things. I have a greater appreciation for some aspects of prayer that I feel like perhaps I had been missing. And so when I mention to you prayer, what is it that you think? Because I know that some of you think, man, it's like mind-numbingly boring. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit intimidated when I hear other people pray. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to say the right words. I don't know how to do the right things. Others of you, I know that some of you, <clears throat> you're prayer warriors, man. You just go to town. You love it. You think every single human being ought to be a prayer warrior just like you because that's in your wheelhouse. Others of you, are, you're, you're kind of like it's too mystical. It's kind of weird, you know, uh, and, and I'm not old enough yet. Older people, they're studying for the final. They need to pray more. They need to read their Bible more, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. And so... <clears throat> I thought it would be important to touch a couple of basic things. There was a, it, so we read from Matthew chapter six, that's the Lord's prayer. It's found also in Luke chapter 11. And we're given a little bit of a backstory in Luke chapter 11, why it was that Jesus even introduced this style of prayer because the disciples came to him. This is in Luke chapter 11 and verse one. The disciples came to him and said, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet, shut your door. There's a time for prayer. There's a place for prayer. When Jesus was in a certain place, he was praying. And when he ceased or when he had finished praying, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now, this is just a statement that leads then to the Lord's prayer, Luke recording it in, in, in Luke chapter 11 here. But... <laughs> I think that sometimes we just think that these guys didn't know how to pray. They knew how to pray. They knew how to pray according to the traditions. They knew how to pray according to the, their Jewish heritage. These were, most of these were, were good kids that were raised in their households where, where the, the certain prayers and songs and psalms and all of those other things were done during the different feast days. So they knew how to pray. But they were observing Jesus pray. They were watching him pray. They were aware of how he was praying. And he, they were like, we think maybe we're missing something. Would you teach us how to pray? Because I don't know if we're doing it right. Because the disciples recognized a couple of things. Number one, Jesus prayed differently than they did. But more importantly, Jesus seemed to get his prayers answered and they didn't. 
And so would you teach us to pray? Would you teach us to pray kind of like John, John's disciples did? And I think maybe for some of us who have, have, have grown up, we don't know, uh, you know, just grown up in different church environments, you might be surprised to think that there is a right and a wrong way to pray. Because we sometimes think, you know, prayer is just, we're going to shoot out a, a, a shout out to the big fellow up in the sky. Or, or, or we're going we're gonna, to uh, just, you know, we're going to go commune with nature. And that's what we think prayer is. Some of us don't have any idea what, what really it is. There are some rules in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus was talking about prayer. We went through this in, uh, in the series that we did uh, here, the HERE series, H-E-R-E. But Jesus said, when you pray, go find a place. There's a place that you should go and pray. I think it's partly because we're creating a habit that this particular place where we are now secluded, we are shutting ourselves away, we're turning off our cell phone, we're putting it somewhere else, we're, we're, we're silencing it so that we can focus on the Lord. So he said, when you pray, go to a secret place, go to a quiet place, go to, now he didn't physically mean go to a closet, he just meant go someplace that is private and it's quiet. He said, when you pray, you pray to the Father. Now, Jesus gave some other instruction in John chapter 16. You pray to the Father in my name, but that tells us something because I hear this often. Well, I've been, I, I, I just talked to my grandma. No, you didn't. Pretty sure grandma didn't hear what you just said. Well, I'm just giving the shout out to the universe. You know, there are some things that just make me so angry when I hear them. It's like, you sound so smart, but you're so stupid. <laughs> the universe can't hear you. Stop it. You pray to the Father, your heavenly Father. That's who we pray to. Grandma loved you, but she's not going to answer your prayer. The angels are not going to answer your prayer. The universe is not going to. The universe was created. Why do you want to go to the created when the creator of the universe says, my ears are open to the cry of the righteous? Amen. Why do you want to go there? And I know I'm not talking to the right crowd because all of you, I don't think most of you, well, maybe you do. <laughs> Hopefully that will be the last time you ever give a shout out to the universe. I feel a Dr. I feel a Dr. Phil moment of like, how's that been working out for you? <laughs> Probably not all that great. Jesus also said there are some people who think they're going to be heard because of their much praying. If I just say it enough, if I just bug God enough, then eventually God is going to give in. And so all of these things are, 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 are things that Jesus talked about with prayer. But he also said, don't be like the heathen. Don't be like the unbelievers because your father has knowledge. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Which is why when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, some of these other things are important. Don't spend all your time telling God what you need because he already knows what you need. Part of our theme in the Here series, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you seek the kingdom of God and you do what he says, then all of these other things that we think are our needs, these things that we have to have, all of these things will be added to you. Kind of dropped down in my heart this week that children pray differently than unbelievers. Unbelievers pray differently than children do. We're the children of God. Our prayer life should be different than what the heathen's prayer life is. And so when we talk about prayer, I think some of you might be in this camp of what's the point? 
Because if you think that the point of prayer is trying to get something from God, and you've already got everything that you need from God, you, maybe it'd be nice to have a little bit more money. Sure, would like to win the Powerball. You know, I, I wouldn't mind winning a lottery, have a different car, have a you know, place on the lake, whatever it is. You, you might think, yeah, but, but for the most part, I'm really pretty good. So I really don't have anything to pray about. I mean, it's all good. The idea of going to a prayer meeting is like, oh, uh, you know, stick a fork in my eye. I don't want to go do that. <laughs> don't literally do that. I have to be careful sometimes. Some of you are, are disappointed in prayer. You're like, what's the point? I haven't had a prayer answered ever. I asked God for some help. He didn't help me out. So you're disappointed and when it comes to your thought about prayer and all those other things. When it comes to that, it's like, why, why should I even try? Because I, I haven't been living my life the way that God probably wants me to live my life. And so I'm not even going to bother to pray because I know that he's already going to say no. So back to this thought. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that what is up there would be down here. Where I am right now, because here is where I am. Here is the only place that I can be. I need the kingdom of God and the will of God right here, right now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So another question for you. What would it look like in your life? What would be different in your life if that prayer was answered? What would your house look like if that prayer your kingdom come and your will be done. What would that look like in your job? What would that look like with your children? What would that look like in central Minnesota? Are we just to mindlessly say these things or are we to expect these things to happen? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. What's up there, down here in my life, in my family, at my job, in central Minnesota, in all of the people that are around me, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What would that look like? Most of us, we can't comprehend what that would look like. We, we can't see it. It's too big. It's too deep. It's too awesome. Some of us, we're afraid to even think out there because it feels sort of funny to think that way. But Jesus said, I want you to add this to your prayer list. I want you to pray. I want you to ask me for my kingdom and my will to be done where you are. So we don't know what that looks like. The disciples didn't know what that looked like. Jesus, when he came to earth, Jesus was and is the will of God in personification. When Jesus was walking on this earth, he was the will of God. He was the kingdom of God in motion. People didn't understand it. The disciples didn't understand it. But Jesus gave us an example of what the kingdom of God and the will of God look like. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, it says this, <clears throat> excuse me, it says this, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. He said, I have been sent, I have been sent to display, to talk about, to reveal the kingdom of God and where he went. He said everywhere he went, this is his purpose purpose. I've been sent here so you can see and know what the kingdom of God is like. I've been sent here to give you the words of the kingdom. So 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Boy, I don't know, my voice is changing. Your kingdom come. There it is again, sorry. Oh, universe, help my verse, voice. No, Jesus, help me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. No, I'm just kidding. Let me try a little bit of H2O. didn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where is my notes? People misunderstood the ministry of Jesus. That's where I was. Jesus came into an environment that's not a lot unlike what the environment is around us today. God was being misrepresented to the people. Jesus came to reveal the heart of God, the love of God. Who Jesus is the express image of God. A lot of people think there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament Jesus. That that Old Testament God was mean and he was hard and he was ornery. No. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is light, he is life, and he is love. Now, there is a judgment side. Don't forget that. You know, we love the story of the, the, the woman who was caught in, in, in the act of adultery. And Jesus said, if you're without guilt, throw the first stone, drew a line in the sand. Everybody dropped their rocks and they left. But after everybody was gone, Jesus went to her and said, where's your accusers? And she said, they're gone. He said, well, I'm not accusing you either, but go and sin no more. You see, we think that, that there is no standard, that there is no rule, that there is, there is a standard. There is a way to conduct our lives that is very, very important. But people misunderstood the ministry of Jesus. In John chapter 1, when Jesus came to this earth, Jesus said, it said, John wrote this about Jesus, that the light came, but the darkness couldn't comprehend it. He came as the light of the world, but the world didn't recognize him. The world couldn't receive it. The world kind of rejected that light. And and light can be offensive to us. Uh, You know, if you've ever been asleep or you've been in a dark room and then the doors open up and the bright light is like, oh my gosh. Well, that's what the world was like. They, They were so accustomed to darkness, so accustomed to ignorance that when light showed up, they couldn't receive it. And so they rejected it. And part of it was because of a religious system that, that painted God as if he was so hard and he was mean and he was ornery. It's like what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago when Jesus came to this earth and he said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, don't kill anybody. And they're like, amen, that's right. Yes, amen, that's exactly right. He said, but, but I'm telling you, if you hate somebody, it's the same way. If you hate somebody, it's like you've already committed murder. And then he said... I say to you, don't commit adultery. That's right, we don't do that. But if you look at a woman and you lust after her, guess what? It's already done. It's like you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Jesus was raising the bar. He was raising the standard, but he was saying, I know that this is what you've heard, but this is what I'm telling. Forget what you heard. One of the biggest difficulties when it comes to hearing God is what we heard about God. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to tell people who his father was. And he taught some revolutionary concepts and things about who the father himself was. But the disciples didn't even understand it. The disciples didn't get it. In John chapter 14, great exchange with Philip, one of his disciples, right before the cross. In John 14, 8, Jesus said this, or Philip said this, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. 
Lord Jesus, we want to see something. We want to see God. Does that sound familiar? See, Philip was one of those who would rather see God than hear God. Philip wanted to see something, just like we get many times in our own life. You know, God, I don't see anything happening. I've been giving, but nothing seems to be happening. It's not coming back to me. I don't see it yet. But, but when I see something happen, then I'm going to believe. No, hearing comes before believing. Hearing, uh, hearing leads to believing, but hearing comes before seeing is what I meant to say. In the kingdom of God. Kingdom on this earth, you see it, then you believe it. But in the kingdom of God, you hear it, and then you end up seeing it. Works differently. Philip said, I want to see God rather than I want to, want to hear God. And when it comes to prayer, we have to come to a place. When it comes to prayer, we have to believe what God said more than what we see. We have to believe what God said over what we see or feel or know what is going on around us. So he said, Lord, show us the Father. Verse 9, Jesus replied, have I been with you all of this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, you know what the Father looks like. If you've seen me, you know how I'm going to deal with sin. If you've seen me, you know how I'm going to deal with infirmities. If you've seen me, you know how I'm going to deal with the religious leaders. If you've seen me, I am the will of God in motion on planet earth. And so he says, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Notice this. The words I speak are not my own words. But my father who lives in me, he does his work through me. I'm going to say something to you that might be a little bit offensive to you at first. But do you understand what Jesus said here? So my words are not my own words. I only say what the father says. And the works that I do, it's not me doing the works. It's the father in me. He works through me. Now, that should alert us to something. That should tell us something. Jesus didn't do what he did because he was God's son. Jesus did what he did because God's word was in him and God was working through him. It was God in him that was at work. Amen. I knew that'd go over really, really well. But I want to build a, a case for something because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, I got the words, I, I, I got the words from my father, but my father is doing the work through me. Highlighted those things for you. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, notice this, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. In other words, he's saying, I see what the father does and I'm just a copycat. I just do what I see the father doing. It's not me, not my works, not my words. I'm just doing what the father, what I see the father doing. John 8, 28, Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, he was talking about the crucifixion. When you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. I have been taught by my father what to say. The father taught me what to say. You say, Pastor Brian, why, what are you trying to tell me? Why are you saying these things? I want you to understand something when it comes to prayer. What if the point of prayer is not just to try to get something from God? 
And what if we were disappointed in prayer and we're disappointed about the results of prayer because we've spent our entire life in a small little corner of what prayer is and we have missed the vastness of what prayer ought to really be. Because prayer is not just trying to get something from God. It isn't the shotgun, boom, I'm going to just put enough things out there. Hopefully I can bring something down. It's not getting 8,000 people to pray for you. Prayer is designed to be something, and I think this is what Jesus taught that a lot of people miss. And the reason I emphasize these things is because Jesus taught a relational aspect of prayer. Jesus addressed God as his father. The disciples weren't used to that. They weren't accustomed to that. They didn't understand the relational side because to to the disciples, God was only going to be accessed by very special people after very special rituals, man, with blood and all kinds of other things going to the Holy of Holies. And, 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 you know, unless you're you're as good as the Pharisees, you're never going to get your prayers answered because you're not good enough. But Jesus taught a little bit different aspect of prayer. He taught a relational aspect of prayer. He said, the things that I see my father do, the things that I hear of my father, the father's at work in me right now. Those are the things that were important to him to convey to us when it comes to what prayer actually is. Probably one of the most powerful moments of my life. It's like a cat. Asleep on the windowsill in the sunshine. One of the most powerful things of prayer, and some of you have heard this story, but um, about 28 years ago, maybe 29 years ago, driving down Division Street, Brother Bill, it was after a Friday morning breakfast at Perkins, going through something about the end times, and uh, just driving down Division Street, about where Big Bear used to be. How many of you remember Big Bear? And I'm just driving down the road, I Delta 88, just like a cloud, big old Oldsmobile, driving down the road, and and I was just overcome with thanksgiving. And I just started to to express my gratitude to God. Father, I thank you so much for everything in my life. I thank you that, that, that we are so blessed. Thank you that the church is doing so good. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for all of the things that are going on. I'm just so happy. I'm just so blessed. And then I said this, didn't really intend to say it. I wasn't like making my request. No, I said, but God, I'd just like to have a son. And I went back to thanking God. Never thought about it again until Shelly said to me about two months later, I think I might be pregnant. Now I had forgotten one key thing. Those are discussions you should have with your wife. Most people, most people, you know, they plan to have a baby. Our first two with Crystal and Steph, you know, it was like, well, do you think maybe we should? And I'm like, absolutely. Let's go right now. You know, let's, let's get this seeds planted. Let's go, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, sorry if that's too real for you. But anyway, I was kind of like, yeah. But I didn't mention anything to her. And then she was not happy because Steph was, Pastor Steph now, but Steph was about four or five just getting ready to go to school. And she was free of diapers and kids and everything else. And now she's pregnant and she's crying, not happy. So I didn't say a word. I was like, God, if she comes to you and says, how did I get pregnant? Do not say anything. Don't 
say. <laughs> don't say that you, and it just, let's keep this between you and me, all right? And maybe after heaven, and if you, if you tell her soon, I'm going to be there with you uh, the way it's going right now. So it was like, she didn't, she like, you know, stay away from me. Don't even, I get that look in my eyes. She'd be like, get away. Don't even think about it. Like, what did I do? You know what you did. So anyway, about three months later, about three months later, she was finally, you know, I mean, it took her prayer and uh, all of these things. She finally, she, she was, we're standing talking. She goes, well, what do you think it is? Do you think it's a boy or a girl? <laughs> it's got to be a boy. She goes, what do you mean? <sighs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> I was driving down Division Street one day, and I'm just thanking God. And I said, God, I'd just like to have a boy. And then, you know, I never thought about it again until you said you're pregnant. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a boy. Why didn't you say, you know, and why did you stop there? There's so many other things you could ask for. Well, I didn't know I had the right key. I didn't know I, had the, I, didn't know I pushed the button that was going to open up the gates. I, I, if I'd have known that, I'd have kept going, you know. But anyway, I didn't. And so for me, it was a relational thing. It was, it was an expression that came out of my heart. And I was just talking to my father like I would talk to anybody else. God, this is what I would really like. Now, I've tried to replicate that. God, I'd just really like to win the lottery. Oh, God, you're so good. I'd really like to see a thousand people in church. Oh, God, you're, you know, I know this, that, that there is a relational aspect of prayer that we miss. But here's, here's why I've stressed these things. Jesus said, I saw you, Father. How did he see him? Because he spent time with him. I heard you, Father. Why? Why did he hear him? Because he spent time with him. And God, I know that you're in me. You're doing the works through me because he knew that God was there. And so when Philip asked him, said, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, have I been with you this long? You, you don't recognize that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? Then he said this. And how you fill in this blank is going to be really important for your life. In John chapter 14 and verse 12, after he has said these things, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will. How many of you believe in Jesus? All right, it's a lot of you. So how do you fill in this blank? Whoever believes in me will go to church every Sunday. Whoever believes in me will memorize the Bible. Whoever believes in me will be a kinder, gentler version of who they used to be. Whoever believes in me will never say anything wrong or do anything wrong. You know, religion has given us a lot of things to fill in this blank with. A lot of do's and a lot of don'ts. Well, if you're really a believer, you'll believe this. You'll say this. You'll do this. You'll quit doing that. That kept me in bondage for a lot of my teenage years. Because I thought God was angry at me. God was mad at me. That God didn't want anything to do with me. And that wasn't the truth. There were things I was doing that was wrong. But you don't start there. So again, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will, he goes on and says, he will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Let that sink in for a little bit. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, but there's something more here for you. There's something that I desire for you because if you truly believe in me and you saw me work the works of God, not not because I'm the Son of God, but because I knew the words of God and I knew what God would do. I knew how God would act. I knew the things that he would do because I spent time with my Father. I spent time with him and now he's on the inside of me and he works through me and I fully expect that if you believe in me, then these works that I've done, even greater things you will do. And when he said, because I'm going to the Father, it was about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be released in a way that they had never known before. So church, there's, when you pray, Father, your kingdom, up there, down here, when you pray, your will be done. Your kingdom come. You're giving God permission to enter into your life in a new way. That God, I want your kingdom to show up in my life. I want your will to show up in my life. I believe that you are working through me today. So before you get to your requests, before you get to your prayer list, before you get to my kids and my stuff and my other things, I want you to come to a point of surrender. God, your will, your way, your words. Not my way, not my will, not my words. With your heads bowed, your eyes, would you just stand for a moment? We're going to just close this. Would you just lift your hands up and worship this, this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Hallowed be your name. Oh, your name is great and greatly to be praised. There's no one who is like you. You are high and exalted, oh God. The name of Jesus. <laughs> There is no other name given among men whereby we might be saved, but at that name, Jesus. And it's at that name, Jesus, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. Oh, Father, I thank you for the revelation of who you are in your names, that you are Jehovah. You are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. You are Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are our peace. You are everything that we need, Heavenly Father. You are El Shaddai. You are the God who is more than enough. And so, Father, we worship you this morning, and we give you your place. We remind ourselves, great is the Lord, great is the Lord, great is the Lord. I thank you, Father God, that nothing escapes your attention. I thank you, Father, that you know what we have need of in this house this morning, in each one of the homes of people that are watching online. You know what we need. You know the peace that we need. You know the provision that we need. We know, you know, Heavenly Father, the, how the enemy attacks, and we know that you're greater, that you're more than enough. And so, Father, we surrender our will. We surrender our way. We surrender our kingdom to you. And, Father, we pray your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in my life. Your kingdom come in my home. Your kingdom come where I work. Your kingdom come in my neighborhood. Your kingdom come in my city, in my town, in my city, in central Minnesota. Your kingdom come. And, God, may your will be done. May your, your love and your peace and your joy be revealed and released through the body of Christ all around us. And Father, that we would do your works, that we would say your words, that we would live a life that is fully pleasing to you. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Father, let up there come here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Just a little bit of prayer. Hallelujah. Yeah, we say glory to your name, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, Joy Christian Center, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Remember your first 15, and we will see you next Sunday. God bless you.